Welcome to Desert Island Dictator, a new podcast by Jacob Hatton. In this podcast, castaways are marooned on a desert island with nothing but a few records and a few books. Fast forward three years, they now rule the island with an iron fist. But what laws will they enact? Will they build a perfect utopia or take command and conquer the known world? In this episode, my guest was Riley, the host of Trash Future, a left-wing technology podcast, and also the host of the podcast Boney Island Whitefish, which recaps the fifth season of the Fox Police procedural Bones, which, frankly, I now wish I'd ask a lot more about in the episode. It was, actually, it was a really interesting and insightful chat, which bodes well for the future of the podcast. Um, we probably, as you all hear, spent a little bit too much time talking about Riley's records and books, which may well land me a little cease and desist letter from Radio 4. So, BBC, if you're listening, uh, my address is far, far away on a sandy beach surrounded by palm trees. Listeners, please do like and, like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, this is one of the first episodes, so it really... Every listener counts for me, and every new subscriber counts. And if you do like it, leave us a little review. It all helps. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, then you can. It's uh, on at D underscore I underscore D podcast. Uh, and you can follow me for my hilarious quips at at Jacob and the Hats. Anyway, without any further ado, welcome to Desert Island Dictator. Your name is just Riley. Like uh, most people know, you are gonna know you as Riley, right? There's no yeah. kind of. You know, this is an artist. One name. <laughs> I, I mainly. I mean, my last name's out there, but you know, I'd, I don't, I'd, I don't really. I mostly just go by uh, Riley from Trash Future. Riley from Trash Future. That's right. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Riley, of course, has spent the last three years building his own brand of. Um, esoteric humor based around technology and leftist politics but of course he hasn't because three years ago Riley was cast away on a desert island uh, he took with him only uh, three records of which I've only written down two <laughs> <laughs> don't worry I remember the rest okay well one's a song by burial but which song <laughs> uh, well that's the thing uh, I, I kind of cheated with the first one uh, because burials uh, come down to us is actually like a 13-minute compilation of several different songs in several different moods. Yeah, this is a real genie, I would like more wishes <laughs> wish. But you know what? I'm not, you know, this isn't the official Radio 4's mm -hmm. Desert Island Disc, and I want to make that clear. Yeah. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm... I gotta go. Uh, <laughs> uh, telephone Tel Aviv, immolate. Immolate yourself the... Ben, I can't even read my own writing. Ben Clock Jade Remix. Uh, Jack Remix. Jack Remix. Yes. Yep. Uh, uh, get that, that right. Is, that is a, uh, a very, a, a classic techno tune um, in, the, uh, in the German variety. So where you have, I think, the, uh, you know, 
emotiveness uh, and um, sort of wistfulness of burial, you yeah. then have the driving power of your Ben Clarks. Okay. If I was to say that I like Patrice Beaumel, is that like bad for if people who if to, for people who like techno, is that a bad thing to like? It's it, you, I, okay. The thing is, my my taste in techno is actually like like any anyone who listens to TF knows that I'm a big techno fan. I'm a huge techno fan. But by the standards of a techno fan, I like top forty. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so because I'll be like, oh, cool, the new Deborah DeLuca song is out. Yeah. And I that's, I think that's pretty cool. And I think to most people, it all just sounds like the same. It all just sounds like a super intense um, sort of drum catastrophe. Yeah. You're like fifteen year old me being like, have you heard of this underground metal band, Avenged Sevenfold? <laughs> <laughs> sort of. I, I love them. They so are. like I tell you, any any so according to you know Germans or whatever. I'm, I'm, or, or in fact, many Americans. Uh, I am, un, I'm unforgivably mainstream in my taste in music. Yeah. But according to sort of most people on the street, what I like is sort of weird and strange. But I, in my heart, know that my taste in techno is incredibly basic. That's. A, I mean, you know what? It's good that you admit that as well. Yeah. I think. Like, I we wouldn't want to. We wouldn't want to. We, you know, we. I, I wouldn't want to have deceived my listeners into thinking right. that I had some sort of connoisseur on the <laughs> so, so it was was I it, but the funny thing is like, if you even if you listen to I don't know something like Charlotte DeWitt or whatever like all the like I do listen to Charlotte yeah. DeWitt so <laughs> yeah and she's like and she's she's does a very intense she's is known for a very intense um little bit of a uh, uh, you know drum machine yeah and you know to again to sort of so someone walking down in the street that would be extremely esoteric and off-putting and yet someone on, on at some point someone on twitter was like that's pop music i have a really like i have an i think what i like to think of as a really british taste but in techno and i like the techno that my wife listens to because my wife loves it mm. and i just listen to it and i'm like yeah that sounds great yes. yeah. <laughs> dance to that nice. sweet cool uh, <laughs> i can't wait to shuffle back and forward for days <laughs> I will do that, and it, uh -huh. you know what? It's actually very enjoyable. So let's, yeah. <laughs> um, and also the um, and also uh, stolen moments by the Eddie Higgins trio. Oh, it's as actually uh, stolen moments slash Israel. So it's two songs sort of put together. Uh, Eddie Higgins trio is um, well. Eddie Higgins himself was like a, a virtuoso jazz pianist, one of the best uh -huh. of the 20th century. I think up there with like Dave Brubeck or what have you. Um, and he only ever, and he achieved incredible prominence as American. He achieved incredible prominence, but mostly in Japan. And so he is this, uh, again, extremely, um, you might say, highly, highly sort of incredibly technically adept, uh, very sort of precise and inventive uh, jazz improviser um, and pianist. And uh, I, 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 it is the um, it is the song that gives me the greatest sense of calm. In fact, to be honest, all three of those songs on there are songs that I I tend to go to to alleviate anxiety depending on how I'm depending on how I'm feeling depending on what needs to sort of what kind of sort of sensory experience I require and I figure I'm probably going to be pretty anxious on a desert island yeah I'm going to need I'm going to need to bring I'm going to need to either bring myself down with like the um uh, uh, the self-soothing of sort of repeated intensity or the self-soothing of sort of, of um, you might say, high-minded wistfulness, or the self-soothing of very sort of calm but highly technical jazz. The thing that I, unites all of these in terms of like what music I like, I guess, is that they're all quite um, precise. Of the three of them, mm -hmm. 
which would you add to Keir Starmer's collection of records that he must listen to <sighs> on his time on the desert island? Oh, man. I think it would be, to be honest, I, I think it would be very funny if it transpired that, like, once they got past the kind of, you know, focus group that runs all of Keir Starmer's decisions before it goes from his brain to his mouth, like the focus group that lives around his sinuses. So do, do you ever see the cartoon The Numbskulls? No, I'm sh- listener. Well, I, I I say no. That this is a. Do you know what? Like so, um, Riley's podcast has a repeating for for um, for Patreon. I think it's for Patreon. Yes. Um, for people who sign up to the Patreon, yeah, they General have a, David Patreon. Yeah, just general <laughs> for the people for General David Patreon only. Uh, they record episodes called Britonology, where um, another member of the podcast and their American producer dissect a really kind of horrible bits of britain that they're, are, they're gonna do pebble dash next oh yes perfect <laughs> well so for them I, I honestly think that a crash course in old children's british cartoons like the beano and dandy of which mm-hmm. the numbskulls is basically it's just a cartoon of men i'm taking a long time to explain this to you but there's a cartoon it's a cartoon where a boy's head is just caught is like inside there are just like it's just like a company of just an awful company of like guys who live in his head, like the, oh, it's the, like, it's the like tongue a, guys and the like the. So what you're saying is it's like a Meet Dave situation. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they all like live in him and direct him, and like mm. they get up to antics, and then he sort of throws up and shits himself and stuff. And mm. like the one that in in Kiyosama, there's just sort of a a focus group of just like forty five year old landlords. Yeah, just going. Well, oh, I don't like any of this. Yeah, it's that. a it's a focus group of 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 forty five year old landlords and then people who went on the Wooferendum march, <laughs> and then um the the last employees of the Ford Motor Plant in Dagenham that closed in two thousand thirteen, who are the voters that laboured. I I don't know. I'm just a slight TF tangent right now. I saw uh, yeah. Gloria De Piero, the <laughs> former Labour MP, saying today that like oh Labour was only only uh, voters in the ABC One class who live in the sort of south south of England, and it's like, well, number one, ABC One class includes like call center workers. Um, the rest of this sort of like class definition includes like pensioners, hey, posh and, liberal yeah. call center workers yeah. phoning you up yeah. and asking you, <laughs> interrupting and your dinner. Yeah. Interrupting your dinner to phone you up and tell you that HMRC is owed seven hundred pounds, and then they steal that much money from your bank account. And you have That's to right. contact the ombudsman, another middle class institution <laughs> for the twenty-two year olds who earn nothing. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, and it's like, what, what, what is, what, like, what, uh, what, what's the, what's the target voter here? People who are work in industries that haven't existed in Britain <laughs> in decades. It's like, what? There are like eight coal miners left. <laughs> we got to get them all. Bring back the votes of the Lamplighters Guild. <laughs> anyway. Um, so you've taken you've taken your your you've taken your records and you've also brought one book. Uh, yes, I have. Uh, I think that book is uh, anyone who listens to to TF before knows the Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. <laughs> I don't I don't need any of that. I have all that in my head. Okay. It's fine. Um, I just need. Uh, I, I've decided. I would probably take with me. Um, well, I mean, okay. Realistic. There's two. There's several answers here, right? There's the realistic answer of. Some kind of, um, you know, like, uh, oh, the the, OS, the OSS uh, Surviving Behind Enemy Lines uh, manual. Sword of Truth by <laughs> um, Terry Goodkind. Oh, I, 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 I reviewed Sword of Truth by Terry Goodkind for my friend Connor Southard's podcast, um, Podside Picnic. It is so funny to actually delve into, like, the later volumes of the Sword of Truth, where he just, like, he's such, like, an... He, because the, like, Terry Goodkind dresses, like... It dresses and looks like a like a, a libertarian magician who's not allowed near schools. 
Terry Goodkind was a poster before they were posters. Yeah, he was too. a forum like he, guy. He, his first few books are at least sort of tangentially they use kind of fantasy tropes to tell mm. a certain story, and after a while, it really, really yeah. lets loose. <laughs> well, it, it's and in one of the more recent ones, um, there is a an, a stand-in for Hillary Clinton, who's like one of the main villains. He basically like he's up to, almost up to writing Pizzagate into his high fantasy stories, which I think is hilarious. There's something about high fantasy that makes it funnier because I think like trash sci-fi always has that kind of shit where it's just like ah oh, the 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 Clintors, yeah. <laughs> or some shit, and like, but you kind of expect it. Like, there's a tradition of that going back to Star Trek, but when it's like dwarfs, yeah, very <laughs> funny. Um, so what it, what it was? There was he basically there was like a fantasy kingdom. Um, at, he set one book in that was run by a stand-in for Hillary Clinton, where like <laughs> fantasy Black Lives Matter had taken over, <laughs> and all of like the country's white people had to apologize for inventing the modern world every day. <laughs> And stuff like the whole thing is basically just like um it's it's basically just an alt-right high fantasy book and it is hilarious in its sort of high mind because terry goodkind the other thing about him is that he has a ridiculously high opinion of himself um yes no but that's that's the best thing about yeah. him that like if you're gonna do that you but you can't have any anxiety like no. i don't I, I want him to sleep like a fucking baby he believes, every night like, he believes I, that he is the greatest fantasy writer and that he invented the genre of high fantasy that he writes in even as you know it's everything about it is like sort of a, a copy paste from tolkien but without enough decency that like the games workshop people had to like make it fun Ed games honestly it rocks uh if you live in like like boring drab high streets in britain like one of the, it has like they have like betting shops mid-price shoe shops but then they just have a games workshop and i, I don't know there's something magic about the yeah. little little castle of well, dwarfs you know what, you kind of, a, a games workshop store it's still a community space where you can go meet and do things yeah a vape shop a cell phone shop a pawnbroker that's just a place you go in transact and fuck off you can hang out in a games workshop store all day you like, don't have to buy anything you can just be there it's one of the few places that's keeping um that's keeping like you know gangs of anoraks from becoming you know dangerous. We should probably do the actual bit of the podcast. Uh, that I, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's fine. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah that's um, one of my laws. Actually, is uh, the actual bit of the podcast is uh, the only thing that goes in the podcast. Yeah, uh, the uh, universal respect for showrunners, the yeah. dictatorship of the showrunner. And yet, and yet, when someone else is the showrunner, you've already <laughs> you've oh, yeah. already derailed it. So. Look, how often do I get to derail TF? I derailed yeah. TF one time in the last six months. You're like the podcasting nation of Liberia. Like you come back to, <laughs> you come to someone else's, and you just do as do unto them as mm. has been done to you. Indeed. Um. So you've been you've been marooned for three years, and sure. now Riley rules his island with an iron fist. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, what what would you what would you call your island? Um, yeah, I actually I actually hadn't thought that far ahead, but um, I, I don't know what I would necessarily call it. I think I would um, I'd, I'd like it to be like an ecclesiastical name. Yeah. Um, you know how about this? Uh, Saint Brendan's Isle. Ah, oh, yeah. That's that's actually quite nice. And also, I say this right. I've recorded a couple of episodes for this so far. No one's had a good name. You've, you're the only one who's had an even passably real <laughs> name. So <laughs> I'm not gonna call it like Riley's Island because <laughs> yeah. everything, everything fucks up. I don't want my name attached to it. Yes. You know, and yeah. the Catholic Church. It's a Teflon organization. 
Yeah, right, yeah. It's like, you don't want people like... So, you know when, like, something fucks up with... Um, like any of Virgin's branded things, and people like tweet Richard Branson, like I can't believe you sold me bad insurance, Richard. And you're mm-hmm. like, it's not, it's not my island, mate. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, and and you know, it's the the problem is though, you know, I mean, uh, the the thing is when I think of this, right, the ecclesiastically branded islands, uh, your saint names, you know, they were associated with the worst island, which had a saint name, which is Little Saint James. And yet, people are still going to Saint Pierre and Miquelon. Uh, people are still going to Saint Bart's. Like people are uh, like Saint Helena. Even endures in the public imagination. You know, you get all of the benefits of the Catholic Church, all the Teflon, and no- nothing can hurt you in terms yeah. of your reputation. Well, let's see because we're going to find out what rules, <laughs> what rules Riley is going to enact. So, rule one, take it away. Okay. So, look. Here's the thing. I'm everyone. I, I don't want to just say here are five rules that I, I think a no. a relatively like left wing sort of social democratic or socialist society would have because that would be just basically me saying ah thank you Jacob for having me on your podcast. I'm now going to read the critique of the Gotha program to you, right. and that's going to be the let's content. take let's yeah. take fully automated luxury gay space communism <laughs> as read. Like oh, we, that's what's the happening. The thing is, we, we we put that down a while ago. We only ever said that as a joke, but. Then, like, I think the a lot of the Falk stuff became like quite like so fantastical as to be reactionary. Like, if you're if you're talking about sort of mining, if you're talking about like the potential of mining asteroids when the only asteroid mining that's happening is happening on the um, in in the name of you know your Elon Musk, even if yeah. it is going to happen or whatever. At that point, that becomes uh, I think a kind of socialist cope. So we've stopped talking oh, about that entirely. It is because um. <laughs> as soon as because as soon as like the, when you look at any of these things, you're like, yeah, but maybe in the next realm, the next sort of great breakthrough in mm. technology will be distributed fairly. It's like no, no it won't. No. It won't. <laughs> so so we we've not done. I say it's. Well, I'm I'm looking more mm. of a um, just like common sense common sense socialism. We're not and because like the thing is right. I was I was thinking about about this actually. What would my rules be? Um, and all of the ones that kept popping into my head were stuff like, because again, anyone familiar with TF will know that I'm obsessed with things like sort of interest rates and complex financial products and so on. It would be, it, realistically, if I could change laws now in, in this uh, desert island that we all live in, the UK, uh, it would be, you know, to do with uh, interest rates and what you have to report on financial statements and banning EBITDA forever as, uh, from appearing on financial statements. But all of that then assumes things like a money economy and assumes things like, you know, that um, specifically the uh, the role the role of money is as historically determined in the calculation of debts and the relationship between money and debt. And all of that implies stuff like uh, the relationship between some kind of capital and some kind of subject of capital generally. No, so it's just I'll, you and the like five people you've oppressed. So uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be all right. So we're, we're scared. So all of the, ch- all of the things I would do to this, to all the, all the tinkering around the edges that I sort of am obsessed with in this Island that I live in, well, in the fantasy world where I haven't been marooned, um, that, that, that none of that matters. So assume away all the left wing stuff. All of my legislation is basically going to therefore be cultural. And I'm now going to air some grievances. Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> what we want. Yes. <laughs> Petty grievances. So, okay. Uh, rule number one. Uh, rule number one is basically the act like a goddamn adult for fuck's sake legislation. 
uh, which bans what you might call uh, the experience economy wholesale. If anyone tries to start a ball a bar with a ball pit on my island, they will immediately uh, be thrown into an active volcano. But why would anyone want to come to your island and be a recruitment consultant in Canary Wharf, your island, if they can't... <laughs> If they can't spend three quarters of their salary on rent, if they can't attend a bar that plays Toto by Africa for nine hours straight whilst playing in Bulls. Uh-huh. Well, here's the thing, right? Um, I feel if the, if, they, if those people come to the island, if they come to St. Brendan's, St. Brendan's, yeah. yeah, then I'm concerned that they will be a reactionary element. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, so we are, a, 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 in order to keep our culture... You might say, not, I don't want to talk about like purity or anything, but I do want to say in order to keep our culture not fucking stupid, then we are going to keep the, we're going to keep that stuff off the menu. Uh, and additionally, uh, we are going to uh, make sure that we don't have anything that, um, that particular reactionary element of um, Audi A3 on, um, on 25% APR driver uh, <laughs> wants to, finds attractive. I think with the I every time there's a new like every time there's a newer one of those things I don't know I don't think that what I think is reactionary but I think I do get the same reaction to seeing an advert there's an advert I saw on like Facebook that popped up and was just like a rooftop chip bottomless chicken wings brunch is coming to London and I think the Why? S- I got the Why same have to? but I think I got the same reaction that mm-hmm. I think my like reactionary uncle does when he finds out that the person who's bought the house two doors down from him might be Romanian like I'm just like here more of them coming over here to london <laughs> it's, well, it, it does feel like because I, there's there's a lot of similarities i think between what you might call the urban kind of get a real job around it because of all <laughs> the right. chicken wing because of all the secret cinema yeah. i think there's a there's a real um sort of conceptual connection i think between uh the urban experience economy if you want to call it that and that's the the nexus of your ball pit bars and your uh your your prison theme bars uh, one of which exists uh, on Brick Lane, mm. and uh, your secret cinemas cool. and your bottomless this that and the other, um, and like just um, I said, well branded like Chinese drop shipping companies. So it's like for what you do is you like for drop shipping, what you do is you set up like a uh, something that looks like you know the Allbirds or the Everlane site or whatever it looks very lifestyle. Then you find something on like Wish dot com or you find something on Alibaba, like some cheap you know cheap piece of garbage. And then you just brand it and advertise it on Facebook, and then you have a low, a really high margin product because mm. you premium, you price it like a luxury item, you market it like a luxury item, and then you know people who have people whose sort of entire um, sense of of reality through no fault of their own, just because they exist in this world that we live in now, as is mediated to them through you know advertising on social media, um, sort of have nothing else to go on that this is fun. And so, you know, I think in the same sense, the things like the experience economy of, of London, that's sort of a major bugbear of mine, um, is, is much in the same way where it is, it, is the, it, is the fun, it is the mindlessness of fun. It is the fun that a child would have, but with like cocktails so you feel naughty. And it is, um, oh God, I accidentally didn't, did the serious one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I suppose like if, if I've already sort of, you know, done your... 
your base socialism than like things like sort of you know advertising uh, advertising mediated uh, ideology would kind of be redundant already. Yeah. So I guess like I'm gonna keep that as my first thing. Just like belt and braces. Let's make sure there are no secret cinemas yeah, that crop let's up. Really cut yeah. down on any. Yeah. <laughs> like, like security just paint like there's like a sort of gray there's a gray like, just imagine a secret cinema like a, very secret it will very, have to very be and the thing is if it was actually secret then it might have a chance of being interesting yeah. they're all wearing their like costumes from like the breakfast club and they hear the banging on the door from the like secret police like quickly it's like quickly make it look like a boiler room it's just like <laughs> it's like DJ Dex yeah. and people <laughs> 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 yeah, that's allowed. <laughs> so, so basically, because like the other thing is right. That would, lot, yeah, that would yeah. at least be countercultural in yeah, some exactly. In it some would manner. force yeah. dumb bullshit that's fake countercultural to be actually countercultural. Do you have any other rules? Uh, yes, I have several other rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can carry. We can talk. We can carry on talk about this rule, or we can do more rules. Um, let's see. I was just I was just trying to remember because we, we spoke about a few. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, Here's the yeah, other of one. course, yeah. Um, I don't I don't just want to ban stuff that I have a bugbear with. Yeah. You know. Um, I also want to uh, let's say uh, external. I want I want to I want to give out the things with which I haven't a bugbear. Yeah. By the way, what I will say is that I do have an ambition for this podcast, mm-hmm. and that is to get the most high status person to have the most petty bugbear ban. <laughs> like, get someone who's like you know like a regular Times columnist, you know, with uh-huh. like millions. Of- Wait, are you saying that a regular Times columnist would have some kind of petty grievance that they would be desperate to act out through the law? No way. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I just want them to say some shit like I'd ban my neighbor Janice and like yeah. just really do like 15 libelous minutes of her of that <laughs> and then just just all censor beeps yeah. <laughs> just email them being like if you would not like this to go out then you need to put me on Times Radio that's right you could um, be what you could be you you could get dozens of listeners on Times Radio yeah I know right exactly yeah uh, and some of them wouldn't be my family they'd be Amber Rudd's family so uh-huh. you know that's <laughs> And you know, you know, it's um, and you could you could maybe be on that cursed horny podcast she does with her daughter. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that, that would also be banned. Yeah, uh, that okay. that would also uh, that is all that is also banned. Now, so here's the thing: Times Radio, again, Times Radio caught up in the general ban of reactionary publications. Yeah, Fine. yeah, yeah. But again, yeah. specifically, no, ha- no being horny for fun with your parents. That's out. Yeah. And again, this is like one of these, this is a, a bit of legislation where it's a bit like the No Homers Club, where it's like, we're kind of, this legislation is kind of specifically targeting Flora Gill and Amber Rudd to yeah. make sure that, again, I want to make sure that they don't come to St. Brendan's and start a some kind of like left wing, pro- like horny mother daughter Pravda. I think what you need to consider, if you are considering coming to this island, uh, and starting a sort of mother-daughter horny podcast mm-hmm. is... I can't believe that that's real. That they, there's a mother-daughter <laughs> sex podcast. I how, hate it. I like, hate it so much. But I just think, like, if you are going to come try and do it under the radar, how many Caribbean people have you deported to their deaths? <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and I guess, well, I guess what I'm actually thinking about doing here is I'm creating an underground economy of all the worst <laughs> nonsense in Britain that I hate. Brendan O'Neill will finally. Well, that's why it's called St. Brendan. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> named, after, named after my favorite columnist. <laughs> oh my God, I want him to come on. Brendan O'Neill, come on Desert Island Dictator. 
what do you think? He- I mean, here's another. I rule think he's I would actually have. just a really deeply boring man, so I don't think he'd be interesting. No, to I th- another all. another rule um, I'd have is that Brendan O'Neill has to live on um on the island. As a, no, there are some people who basically the desert island that the St. Brendan's Island security services will be trying to kidnap. Uh, and and make to come live on the island. I'm going to conclude. These are three people. This is yeah. one law. This is three different kinds of people. Um, number one, Brendan O'Neill. Number two, Matt Hancock. Number three, everyone who works for the Michelin Guide food food rating service. And then maybe Jancis Robinson, who does something similar with the Oxford Companion to Wine. Like Mossad, but building a specific pathway for this, like one, <laughs> yes. each one of these That's guys. Correct. Yes. <laughs> uh, and the idea being, not that they're going to be brought here and tried or anything, I just really want to have dinner with Matt Hancock. Yeah. Like, I think it would be really fun. Like, I, I really just, I like the way his brain works, and I think <laughs> it would be really funny to just ask him different questions. Um and Brendan O'Neill is going to be my uh, reverse advisor, where I'm going to ask him to advise me on everything, and then I'm going to very, and then I'm going to do the opposite of whatever he says. Um, Matt Hancock literally is just there to be my friend. <laughs> he'd be a good bud, you know. He would like, be a be great a, friend. He'd be a whip, like he's, a, you know, in the in your group, you have like the whipping boy, right? Yeah, he mm. would be that, but he would take it like a champ, and uh-huh. it'd be lovely. And, and the and other thing is, right? You know, we have to think about different ways that we can get like this get this island some income yeah um and i think if i was matt hancock's friend i feel like i would just get a bunch of lucrative contracts with the british government and we could kind of like hook up a like a, a pipe from the um central bank of england to um i don't know maybe like a, a, a fountain in uh st brendan's uh just, town square just like yeah just like tur- turn on the pit like turn on the public private initiative Ugh. yes public private do you know what this isn't a PFI. Smart, PFI. This isn't a smart podcast, okay? <laughs> this isn't like this isn't like Trash Future where you have your, your smart bits. Uh-huh. This yeah. is dumb all the way. It's, it's, uh, it's rains of, of dumb running through like uh, yeah. rich butter. Um, uh, so you've uh, you, so you, you've you've talked about things you're going to ban. I, okay, you've so talked about people you're going to bring, uh-huh. but also more specifically. So you might have noticed that I was going to uh, bring uh, the uh, Michelin food guide writers and uh, Jancis Robinson. Uh, this is because the, they are going to be the um, uh, Ministry of uh, Good Things, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> ministry of Good Stuff, where the um, because I, I think like, it's very important that if I'm if we're we're not going to try to ban all forms of fun, we're just trying to ban forms of fun that make you stupid. So um, one of the key things that we're going to have to have is we're going to need to have the artistic direction to try to find the um, the best expression uh, in, in terms of on the plate of whatever uh, the island has to offer. Um, you know, so um, I'm thinking, like, w- before we just bring in a bunch of great chefs, we need to bring in some, like, proper food critics so that we can understand sort of what the directionality of our cuisine is going to be. Yeah. And then we can find out what it's going to fuse with and then kidnap those chefs and then bring them over. <laughs> so stage one is to kidnap the food writers so yes. we, can, we can basically engineer the St. Brendan's cuisine together. And then understand sort of how to how that pairs with certain kinds of wines. I'm just imagining a like I'm just imagining a sort of like the the, the CIA or like MI6 or whatever trying to follow this chain of kidnappings. <laughs> like they got the food critics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right to every sommelier in the country. <laughs> <laughs> they got the food critics, Matt Hancock and Brendan O'Neill. <laughs> but who's next? <laughs> just yeah, like, literally, who's next? How do you predict what comes next after that? 
Well, you listen to this, I guess. I got, yeah, we, we, but the thing is, I don't know who's next because the food critics, Jancis Robinson and I, then need to work out what the best expression of our cuisine is. Yeah, they need to hire their own food critic uh-huh. who is as good as the one that you've got. Yeah, that's right. Who isn't already kidnapped? They'd have to hire some like retired food critic, uh-huh. you know, who's just like they've been a food critic their whole life. But, but again, just- not just any food critic though. I want the ones that work for the Michelin Guide because we yeah. don't want to just have. We want to have a very. We want to start from having an elevated cuisine. You know, <laughs> we want we want to start with like trying to find the greatest expression of whatever food is lying around: seabirds and coconut, what have you, like this. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, you can't. You you got to you got to use your local resources. You got to mm-hmm. make a good deal. I'm just. I'm sorry. I keep thinking of like this an image of like an old, a CIA agent going to an old pub with a guy with like a hood <laughs> over his head. And he's just like gives him a toasted brioche and he looks at it and it's like, I ain't seen one of those in years. <laughs> and like, well, and, and Remember and, this? And like, no. And, and I guess I think the, the, the other real image here again is like the acceptable forms of fun is um, again, like you might say very rarefied wine, yeah. uh, very fine dining, um, sort of... Uh, 40 to 48 to sort of 72 hour um techno raves uh all secret cinema has been made illegal oh my god um, yes yes all um what else uh what else all, all sort of all that kind of bullshit has been made illegal and basically this is just this is an island for people with just a very specific kind of taste yeah i think i went to a holiday that was like this for about was it five. at st brendan's I think it was in Barcelona, but because my brother lived there. But you know, maybe you took him. <laughs> Who knows? That's right. Uh, um, but it was a good five days. I ate a lot of paella, and I went to three separate techno parties, and it, mm-hmm. I had I had a lovely. Was time. this was this during Sonar? Was this off Sonar parties? Uh, no, but it was a sort of yeah yeah several day event. Of yes, that, great, yeah, fantastic. That's what that's what we're aiming to have. Except we're trying to like make all the food Michelin starred. And yeah. um, try to make sure that all the wine is like absolutely like top end. Yeah, top um, end wine. Brendan O'Neill, Matt Hancock. Yeah, <laughs> imagine Techno. That. having a fanta- having like a fantastic twenty seven course dinner with Brendan O'Neill and Matt Hancock, and just seeing them look at each other with their mouths fully open, just like talking past one another's ears. Where like Matt Hancock says something along the lines of like, "I think my- I think that humanity's next best friend isn't the dog; it's the Alexa." <laughs> and then Brendan O'Neill just saying something, <laughs> saying something like. Um, uh, they call it St. Brendan's Isle today, but you know what will BLM want to change it to tomorrow? Just never acknowledging that they're there. Just, just, just basically guys who are run by focus groups of just 80 IQ people <laughs> trying to debate what's going to be most like either publicly acceptable or enraging. And I would love watching it 24 hours a day. <laughs> it's tubes to your brain. <laughs> just, yeah, that's even right. like, just fucking like get like musk or whatever to just just find a way of not even with a screen just uh-huh. like a- attached to electrodes in your brain absolutely all day as you sit on your throne and <laughs> just just i just have dinner with these two classic <laughs> morons <laughs> and, just, uh, and again have an amazing dinner oh yeah no yeah, no no that's like that's not this incredible. is incredible yeah the yeah. dinner is the dinner is fucking the dinner is the best amazing yeah <laughs> and so ba- basically then i think like and also you know it's um and so, in 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 in, institu- in the institution of also then that means p- uh, full public funding. Again, we know we have that money coming yeah, from the Bank yeah, of yeah, England yeah. through our like shady kickback deals. Because yeah. to be honest, us. like let's not let's not talk about ma- like making England better. England's fucked. Like take yeah. that take that PFI money and just yeah, run exactly. Yeah. And that money is going to go to publicly funding 
um, a variety of um, Michelin-starred restaurants, um, uh, sort of extremely good vibes clubs um, that still have a door policy, though. Yeah. You know, you know, it's it's not going to be as intense as Bergheim, but like they're going to know if you're just a tourist and they're right. going to be like, yeah. this is not for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be like, I'm going to say all the clubs are going to have the door policy of like, <sighs> what Griezmuller had when it was a place, or like Sisyphos, maybe. Roughly about know, blank. Yeah. It would have the about blank door policy. Roughly know who the lineup is. Yeah, you have like, to roughly know who the lineup is, and like, if you're like sort of six lads rocking up in like iron shirts and like pointy shoes, then they're gonna be like, "This is not for you." Sorry. I quite like attending clubs uh, in in attire like that and then <laughs> pretending that like I have just discovered it <laughs> and they're like it's amazing what is this <laughs> oh boy <laughs> you're boy. saying that this continues for <laughs> eight hours um okay so we have right and so all so those clubs and restaurants are going to be publicly funded yes um that's right and and again like I said we're assuming that uh sort of most of the work is you know, we've automated as much of it as possible. Most of this is publicly run. The yeah. only real t- laws that I'm in control of are laws controlling taste. Quite. Uh, which is why uh, you would also ban organizing any form of political expression through media. Indeed, yeah. Um, and th- again, that's just something I find annoying. Um, <laughs> which, which is the, the whole idea. It's just the, re- the reduction of sort of any political action just to like, are you consuming media made by good people or bad people? Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I know that I'm a good and virtuous person because, you know, look, I've, I've, I've watched a Netflix comedy special about having depression or whatever. And um, none of the just any like political like political action is allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that if you say something like I, I was reminded of one of my favorite tweets of like the early Trump era, which is um, some just, you know, like empty brain blue tick uh, said now we need to remember the point in the Care Bears movie where the cousins say anyone can help out. Oh, um, thanks. Uh, what I'm going to do, right, is I'm just going to walk outside, <laughs> kill myself. So I don't think this podcast is going. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to go and, out. But, but it's so like that and, that. and so the whole thing is like, yeah, there's a massive element of infantilization to it. But you can even see it now when people are like getting mad at songs or whatever. Yeah. It's like you, you know what's happened is is that there has been again and because all of the socialism sort of already happened in stage zero, like, no, there would not really be much, like, liberal ideology communicated through media because, again, that just wouldn't... These mechanisms wouldn't be there. This is a belt and braces solution. Yeah, but what what Harry Potter house would Uh you be in as the ruler? Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, you're listening. You're either listening to Joe Rogan or you're reading Harry Potter, and that's politics now. Because all politics, all people's experience of actual politics is like watching the news and either feeling good or getting agitated. And being, and, and even when you feel good, you're feeling good in a, in, a, in a sort of very buzzy way where you don't really understand where to put that energy. And so it's just, and, and then you sort of just sort of get mad about the news and you get mad about like, you know, people you think are listening to Joe Rogan and who went on Joe Rogan and is Joe Rogan really a nice person, etc. cetera. And um, again, I don't think there would be a risk of that because we've already done the stuff that makes that irrelevant. But yeah. any political party that has any of its messaging in terms of, um, the uh, virtue exhibited by uh, media or cultural figures would immediately be banned with all the rest of the political parties. And again, they can all organize underground. It's just this will force them to acknowledge some kind of level of authenticity. I think that's pretty much yeah. 
I think that's pretty much our time. Welcome to St. Brendan's. You're welcome <laughs> to St. Brendan's. Thank you very much, Riley. Thanks for coming on. Jacob, thank you for having me. This has been very fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening all the way through to this episode of Desert Island Dictator. If you did, if you did enjoy it, please do like and subscribe. That helps me. That helps. Well, I was about to say that helps me. That helps you. It doesn't help you. It only helps me. But you know what? Helping me will make your heart feel warm. Um, we're gonna have. I hope you agree. Riley was a really, really interesting guest. Um, we've got loads and loads of fantastic people lined up. Uh, we're gonna be releasing a new episode roughly once a week. Um, and as the podcast develops, we're hoping, I'm going to be getting some bonus content in too. So there'll be a little bit of extra, a little bit of extra chat for people who, who you know, the the real, the real, the real, the real day one dons who just love love deserts. They love islands and they love the guests. And perhaps maybe they'll extend a little bit of love for me to your host Jacob Atten. Um, you know, if you again, if you liked it, please do tweet about it. Tell people about it. Uh, I'm not going to beg it any further. Thank you so much for listening. That was this week's episode of Desert Island Dictator.